I've been waiting 23 years to say that. So for whatever reason, I just fell down a YouTube rabbit hole of unexpected Cena videos. Like John Cena videos? Yeah, you know the videos? God, they haven't been popular in a couple of years. And his even. name is John videos. Cena! Yeah, where you where like they just it, where they're kind of like Rick rolling. Only you start watching the video and it gets like partway into the video, and all of a sudden it's just like John Cena. Yeah. And they just drop the John Cena music in the middle of it. Yeah, uh, I remember I don't know. that was a was a hot thing. It was, and I don't know what got me started watching them, but I started and couldn't seem to stop. <laughs> God. I think it was because I was trying to get the song The Age of Aquarius out of my head. Well, you should have been trying to get the song like Inside Out by Eve Six out of your head instead. You Wait. <laughs> son of a bitch. It already was out of my head. This is the FBI's Most Unwanted. I'm Matt. I'm Justin. And I hope nothing comes up this week as unbelievably earworming as that although like i said i do have the age of aquarius stuck in my head why do you that's have the worst age song of, ever why do you have that stuck in your head because i actually one of the shows i listened to uh put the 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 phrase age of aquarius in the title of their episode and it got the worst song ever stuck in my head <laughs> yep anywho uh we are just about let's see 12 i'm pretty sure this is the halfway point of season one let me just double check real quick i think there were 24 episodes in season one uh looking looking yep 24 episodes we are at the halfway point of season one of the x-files with this episode this one is called fire and it guest stars um, Mark Shepard, who a lot of people will know as Crowley from Supernatural, and Amanda Pays, who old school geeks will remember as Tina McGee from the John Wesley Ship Flash uh, series from 1990. You nerds. Uh, yep, I am a nerd. I knew that. I saw her and I was like, oh, it's Tina McGee. <laughs> I actually haven't watched this episode in a while. I forgot she was in it. <clears throat> so... So we're halfway through. What do you think so far of the series? You digging it? You ambivalent on it? Is this like homework or is it enjoyable? No, I've, I'm enjoying Checking it. in with you. There, there's okay. def I think because you warned me when like there's ones that are like not – that are like – you're like, well, just so you know, the next couple are kind of rough and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it kind of feels like homework when it comes to those ones. Okay. Um, but for yep. the most part, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Cool. All right, well, let's dive into Fire. Some of these episode names are just so basic. Um, I know, I'm like, wow, uh, uh, Fire? Cool. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> this one is written by series creator Chris Carter, 
and directed by Larry Shaw and originally aired December 17th, 1993. And uh, I took, again, pretty extensive notes. I keep trying not to, but I do. But I wrote down a lot more of what I was thinking during the episode this time around to try and make it not necessarily so detail-oriented. And I also wrote in, uh, because I hadn't watched this episode in so long, I wrote in where I made mistakes while I was thinking about the episode along the way. And I'll point those out. Okay. So, cold episode. They're funny mistakes, I promise. Uh, Cold episode. er, Cold cold open. Cold open. Yeah, fire the cold episode. (laughs) Uh, It opens in Bosham, England, which is uh, 70 miles southwest of London. I assume they put that in there because nobody knows anything about London. God, I just did it. Nobody knows anything about England except London. (laughs) I always joke to uh we i have two british friends alex and tony and i always joke to both of them wait a minute wait wait because they'll talk about going to london from the towns they live in and i'll and i'll always comment wait i thought london was just another name for england don't you already live in london (laughs) yeah i'm that asshole yeah you're Um, that american assholes i'm that american asshole so uh we Go in on a nice country estate and we see a young woman and her father parting ways. Don't worry, I'll get to that. Uh, And the old man is walking by all his gardening staff and he's like, Oh, good morning, good morning, good morning to you. And uh, he he specifically says to one of the gardeners, you know, Good morning, Cecil. And Cecil's like, Top of the morning to you, sir. Okay, time out. Irish Right away, like, that's... (laughs) That's like the funniest thing is like, it's like, well, you might as well call out the murderer right now. (laughs) I know. And they make it super obvious in just a second because the old fella goes to his car and he stops to wave goodbye to his daughter. Don't worry. I'm getting to that. I know, you know, but, um, and Cecil like glares down this old guy and the old guy catches fire and it's like, okay, I guess we know what's going on in this episode already because this old guy burns up and Cecil watches and smiles. We got a fire starter, people. We got a fire starter happening. Fire starter. I've never seen the movie, but I've read the book. Have you seen Firestarter? I have. It's also a really good song by Prodigy. Hmm. It's a good movie. I like the book. I like the movie. Okay. I'll have to check it out. Uh, so the opening credits go by, and uh, it's in Washington, and Mulder and Scully are leaving court, and uh, Mulder makes a pretty funny joke about, you know, Scully says, oh man, I forgot something about how court is such a pain in the ass, and Mulder makes a joke about that's why it's a good thing to chase down aliens and mutant freaks, because you don't have to go to court afterward. It's um, true. And he goes to lock in the, he goes to unlock the car and Scully just opens the door and is like, nope, it's unlocked already. And Mulder's like, wait a minute. I know I locked this car and they get in and there's a cassette tape on the dash. What's a cassette cassette tape? A cassette tape. You know, though, this gave me an idea. God, this is something that would be a complete waste of money on our, on our part, because I don't think anybody would buy it. But I was like. What if we released like a special edition cassette podcast where people would have to buy it to listen to it? And we put like an hour on one side and an hour on the other side. <laughs> well, we'll have to check in on that venture. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, I've had cassettes on the brain because la- uh, Haley bought a car yesterday. That's my youngest stepdaughter for anybody listening. Uh, she bought her first car yesterday and it's a 2004 and it's just Ooh. old enough that her car has a cassette deck in it. Ooh, man, I'm jealous about that. I, I looked inside and I'm like, oh my God, there's a cassette deck in here. Um, so Mulder puts uh, the cassette from the dashboard. He's like, see, I told you I locked this door. Somebody broke in. And he puts the tape in the deck and a British woman's voice starts talking about, this is a pretty good bit. She starts talking about how like, well, well, Agent Mulder, so-and-so got a cassette just like this a few months ago and they put it in. And they didn't realize that when they started listening to the tape that it armed a bomb that was attached to their door handle. And when he tried to escape, the car blew up and he died. And the only way they could uh, identify him was dental records and yada, yada, yada. And things start getting very, very tense. And right as it gets like the most tense where the voice on the tape is like in it, blew the car up and threw the engine block onto the top of a three-story building. The door opens wide up and Scully like kind of screams and there's a woman who puts her face in the door and it turns out it's an old friend of Mulder's. Friend. Friend. A naked friend because we find out later and I'm not going to remember what part we, but we, we find out later they had sex on top of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's grave yeah. in the middle of the night. Yeah. So, <laughs> and this lady, and this lady is, uh, Tina McGee. Oh no, wait, nope. She's Phoebe Green who works for Scotland Yard. Um, and this character, I guess was supposed to be. Uh, when she was conceived, she was supposed to be a Giggity. recurring character, but they actually never brought her back. Oh, well then. So I don't, I don't, huh? Well then, I guess that just matters. Yeah, I know. I don't know what happened there, but <clears throat> so obviously Phoebe is in America to get uh, help from Mulder because she describes like a series of people that have been burned alive. They've been murdered through arson and there's no evidence except whoever is burning these people alive sends love letters to their wives before they get burned alive. Um, And so we hear about the guy from the cold open and, Oh, here's my first mistake. That wasn't that old dude's wife. That was his, or that wasn't that old dude's daughter. That was his wife. See, I didn't, I didn't, make that mistake i just assume like wow that's a really young wife like i just see i I was like oh here's this nice old man because i again i've seen this episode but this is when i go back through the x-files most of the time up to this point like i skip around like i don't necessarily watch every episode every time so i haven't seen this one in maybe couple years or whatever i forgot it was his wife i was like oh here's this nice old guy who was visiting his daughter and he's saying bye <laughs> nope that's just his really young what time wife. will i what time will i see you so we may plow mm-hmm. that's his um uh, that's his um he's like hugh hefner that's his playboy yeah. bunny that's the that's the phrase I was looking for. I couldn't find it. 
Um, and so it turns out that Phoebe is in the United States because she's there with this family, the Marsdens and Lord Marsden, Knight Marsden, Sir Marsden, whatever the fuck he is. Some one of those silly made up titles they give British people. Um, he's been targeted. His garage burned down, but he managed to get away. And so they're hiding in Cape Cod. And here is my second mistake. I said last week that Mulder and Scully went to England. I forgot that they didn't go to regular England. They went to New England, which is just the same thing, just with new put in front of yeah. it. <laughs> um, and so then we get this uh, <clears throat> little bit of... Um, backstory on Mulder where Scully is like oh so that's like your friend huh and she's like giving him a hard time and he's like no no we just we knew each other in school and she was really brilliant and like I got way in over my head and I paid the price for getting involved with her so like she really broke Mulder's heart oh it's Mm. so sad when you finally see like that kind of side of Mulder start coming out yeah, and we learn another thing about Mulder later in the episode. We'll get there, but like, uh, and Scully gives him a hard time about it too. She's like, "Oh yeah, sure, that was ten years, uh huh, ten years ago." Like, and now you're just happening to run off to help her, and he's like, "No, no, I'm just gonna. This is gonna be it. Like, I'm gonna go see the arson specialist here at the bureau, and then I'm done." And so they then go visit a arson expert who I'm pretty sure was having an orgasm. I was going to say, of- like, like <laughs> literally, I'm like, wow, he's, like, giving this fire sex eyes. Like, ah, he's way weird. He's like, oh, this is, oh, look at this shade of red. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's I like, just, oh, this is art. I'm like, it's this like is a guy who made a fire and then tried to fuck it. He, a hundred percent, if he didn't work for the FBI, like, studying arson, he would be committing arson. Oh, totally. I, he, who knows? I think he's doing both at the same time. Like, this is a hundred percent. He's the firefighter. You know, like, you once in a while, like, there's, there's, like, a case of a firefighter who actually is an arsonist yeah. because he likes putting out the fire. I feel like that's this guy. <laughs> Pretty much, like seriously, like I was uncomfortable. Like uh, near the end of his little speech of like, well, where he's talking about like how could a fire get this hot kind of deal, mm-hmm. and it's like, and he's getting all scientific. But I'm, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, he's gonna wait till everyone leaves the room, and he's gonna jack it so hard. I know, and he's barely on screen, so this actor plays this guy big. He's like, somebody, this guy took the phrase, go big or go home, really literally. Yeah. (laughs) And what it boils down to is, like, this guy can't figure out how these fires could have, because Phoebe mentions that, like, these are just people that are catching on fire. And he's like, well, people don't just catch on fire. Like there has to be a, like a fuel and they have to ignite them. And like, maybe there could be some jet fuel involved, which we'll get to that. I got some thoughts about jet fuel. Um, And it finally gets to the point where Mulder brings up pyrokinesis. (laughs) And um then we go to cape cod like i said new england not england same thing old same thing different thing whatever 
and there's a man inside the house and he's painting and he sees this family pull up and we don't see the painter's face. He's just kind of watching them out the window and he puts a cigarette in his mouth and the cigarette lights all on its own. And oh, look, it's Cecil from the beginning, because how could it not be? Because in that cold open, he was definitely the bad guy. Yeah. The only difference is he cut off his Satan goatee that he had in the cold open. I gotta say, his character in this was not that far off from uh, from Crowley. Nope. Cecil and Crowley. Very, I love Mark Shepard. I wish he was in more stuff. And Well, I have a whole theory now where, like, when he was alive, before he became king of hell and all that stuff, I think Cecil and Crowley <laughs> are the same guy. They might be. Uh, and so Cecil goes downstairs and he introduces himself to the family as Bob the caretaker. And he's got an American accent and everything. And he's all nice and friendly until he goes outside <clears throat> and finds the family dog digging a hole in the yard. And he kicks the dog because the dog has dug up a hand. And Cecil says, I'm the caretaker yes. now. So we have to assume that the... Uh, Hand in the ground is the real Bob the caretaker. Um, and let's see. Back to Mulder's office. And Mulder's like, all right, Scully, look, I, I'm not going to make you put up with any of this. You stay here. Like, Phoebe's, like, not a very good person. She plays mind games. And it's just like her to bring me this case. And when Scully's like, well, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, I've never told you this before, but I'm terrified of fire. Uh, when I was a kid, my best friend's house burned down and I had nightmares for years about being trapped in a burning building. And Scully's like, and Phoebe knows that you're terrified of fire. And Muller's like, yep, she's not a great person. Classic so, Phoebe. Yep. Classic Phoebe. She's like a mind game player. So, like, I have to face this on my own. You can hang out here and stay here. Um, so he goes away. And uh, then we see Cecil watching Sir Malcolm's wife very lustfully through the window. Uh, right down to the point where... And I actually think that this episode is pretty well directed, too. Because, like... We see him looking at her through the window, and then we get, like, butt and boob shots, almost like they're from his point of yeah. view, because he's standing out there, like, basically touching himself, and <laughs> the director is like, all right, get really good shots of this woman's butt and boobs. But, sir, just do it. Just do it. Uh, but... Uh, somebody near Cecil is coughing, so he goes away, and he finds... Uh, the Marsden family driver having a smoke and coughing his lungs out, and uh, gee, the two like, are not co coordinate or not uh, like not co not correlated cor at all. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> no, and Cecil's like, "Hey, uh, I'm going to town. Can I get you some cough syrup?" And the guy's like, "Oh yeah, that'd be so nice of you." And I'll give you some money. And Cecil's like, "Nope, nope. This one's on me." So in town, Cecil goes to the bar and uh, with, by, a, with a bag that's like as big as his head. Yes, because it's got cough syrup and something else in it that we'll find out about later. Yeah, but I mean, even at a bar, if you just bring that to the bar, like, you know, in fact, the woman, 
The woman that hits on him says something about, uh, what did she say? They, they, they don't usually let you bring your own. Yeah, and I'm just like, um, yeah, this is a red flag. Bartender, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Cecil is sitting there at the bar and a woman starts to hit on him and he's like, Hey, you want to see something? Or no, she goes to, uh, she gets a cigarette and he's like, Oh, I'll light that for you. And he lights his finger on fire and the woman's like, ah, that's such a cool trick. And she turns away and she's like, Hey everybody, come check this out. And when she turns back, Cecil's whole arm is on fire and he just burns the bar down for fun. Great way to give away your positions. And that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> like, like, if you're following a, part of family for our, and people are on to you that there is at least an arson, like, I around. Know. Why would you go and burn down a bar in the vicinity of the area of... The weirdest part is he doesn't really seem to burn it down for any reason except he feels like Yeah. It. Like all the, it seems like until this point, everything he's burned down has been related to the fact that he's like lusting after all these rich women. And this time he's just like, aha, I'll catch the bar on fire. Yeah, makes no sense to his motives. No. Uh, so Mulder and Phoebe, I was about to say Mulder and Scully, but this time it's Phoebe. Um, they obviously get word of a bar burning down because they're looking for an arsonist. So they go to the hospital and they find the woman who was hitting on Cecil when he, you know, lit the bar on fire and she tells them all about it. And Mulder is like, um, Hey, would you agree to, uh, talk to a composite artist and get a sketch of what this guy looked like. And she's like, yep. And oh, by the way, he was English. So there's another dead giveaway. He wasn't using his American accent in the bar. He was using his English accent. Fucking ace. Hey, nobody said he was bright. <laughs> Except for visually bright. Yeah. He's not mentally bright. <laughs> um... And at the Marsden house, the driver that he bought the cough syrup for seems like he's more sick than just a cough. Seems like he's doing a lot of throwing up. And Cecil's like, huh, having a pretty hard time, huh? Maybe it's the cough syrup. So he poisoned the driver. <sighs> and Scully is back at the office doing more research because she's not just going to sit it out. She's going to be helpful. And she is like, um, hey, uh, I'm going to go ahead and look at these files from Scotland Yard and start working on a psychological profile. And we get a Scully voiceover where she basically just describes Cecil. So she's really good at her job. She knows what she's talking about. And at the same time, Cecil is like making friends with the Marsden boys by showing them a magic trick involving a disappearing cigarette. And he pulls it out of his ear and it's already lit and he smokes it. And Scully goes to see the weirdo arson specialist from earlier. And she's like, Hey, you said something about rocket fuel earlier. Like what if he like put the rocket fuel in like hand lotion or something? And the guy's like, I mean, I guess, so, which you'd still have to. This was a very weird, like, we, little jump cut section. Um, yeah. Because first of all, backing up to the trick with the kids, mm -hmm. um, 
I find it very bizarre, and I'm surprised the kids didn't say anything to their mom because the ki- he's just like, Would you oh sure, because like- he's like, you want to oh, smoke could- a cigarette? <laughs> yeah, he's got like three cigarettes, and he's like, hey, you boys ever smoke a cigarette? Yeah. Do you ever even hold a cigarette? Here, just hold one. Yeah, it's just like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> yep, super weird. And then the jump the- cut to Scully. Talking to the weird ar- arsonist guy who I'm pretty sure was was probably masturbating right before she came in. He probably, if he could, like, have sex in front of a fire, he would be the happiest guy in the world. Totally. And so, anyway, it all kind of jumps around a bit until, finally, Mrs. Marsden comes outside and is like, Hey, our driver's really sick. Will you drive us instead to Boston, Cecil? We have this party to go to. He's like, oh, yeah, of course I'll drive you. No problem at all. And so um, back at Scully, see, it keeps jumping around because then it goes back to Scully, who's like, I need to get a report of all the recent immigrants from England to the United States. And she gets that. And then Mulder and Phoebe plan to set a trap at this party to try and catch the arsonist. And this is where Mulder's like, oh, by the way, I think he's pyrokinetic. I think he can set fires with his mind. And Phoebe's like, yeah, you're probably right. And Mulder's like, wait a minute, you think I'm right? Yes. Like, nobody ever thinks I'm right. <laughs> and, um, Here's another one of my notes. She's like... The party is happening at the Venable Plaza Hotel, and then it cuts to the quote-unquote Venable Plaza Hotel, which A, is not a real hotel in Boston, that's not the name of any hotel in Boston, and B, that building is not in Boston. I've been to Boston a lot. That building is not in Boston. I looked it up. It's in Vancouver. Those lying sacks of shit. Well, it just... I. When you're making a movie, right, or a television show, I get, like, if you shoot in Vancouver at a street level, when you're kind of just down on the street, all cities basically look the same. But if you're going to take shots of buildings, like, you probably should at least get a shot of a, even if it's stock footage from somewhere else, get a shot of a building that exists in the city you are pretending you're in. (laughs) It's just one of those things that drives me crazy when I'm watching shows. I don't know why. Especially when it comes to Boston. Yeah, right. Exactly. But it would be like, like in Chicago, they have this very specific building that the top of it is kind of shaped like a diamond. It'd be like if you took a shot of a city and it was just a random city and it didn't even have that big diamond shot, that big diamond building in it. It'd be it's just weird. Anyway, All right, yeah. I'm, I'm ranting. It's just, at least if you're going to have shots like that aren't like close-ups, if they're wider shots, make it look like the city you're pretending you're in. That's all. Um, where was I? Oh, um, Mulder's at the hotel and he gets his fancy schmancy hotel room and Scully calls and was like, Hey, I've got something you need to see. I'm going to come to Boston. Can I meet you somewhere? And Mulder's like, I'm kind of anticipating having my hands full. And that's a sex joke because he means full of boobs. 
Because <laughs> he knows that Phoebe wants to fuck him. Because <laughs> she said something earlier about getting a hotel room. I, so, giggity. anyway. Giggity. Oh, man. Then everybody else gets to the hotel. Phoebe and the Marsdens and Cecil. And then Mulder and Phoebe get a moment alone from the party. And there's all this sexual tension. And they start dancing. And Scully shows up and sees them dancing. And she doesn't look impressed. And so she turns away from them to kind of walk away. And Cecil's behind her, creepily just standing behind a plant. And he gives her a very creepy smile. Makes I'm so, just like, yeah, why not just go full on, just show who you are. Like, right? No kidding. And so she turns around away from creepy dude to see Mulder and Phoebe, like, kissing. And she's like, oh, well, I'm not going to look at this either. This is gross. And so she turns away again, but... Cecil's gone, and so she's, like, pacing around being um, impatient or whatever, and she notices a fire panel that says, oh, no, there's a fire on the 14th floor. And so she runs in and interrupts Mulder and Phoebe's kiss, and she's like, there's a fire upstairs! And Phoebe's like, oh, no, the kids are upstairs! (laughs) And so there's a lot of panic, and Mulder runs up 14 flights, which we also see in this episode. Mulder's, like, ripped. So apparently he can run up 14 flights of stairs. I would die. (laughs) First of all, in this whole little thing, why Mm -hmm. is everyone still inside? (coughs) I don't know. Because normally, doesn't matter what floor it's on, they evacuate the entire building. Mm Mm-hmm. But everyone's like, uh, like this whole thing, like during this whole thing, stunt, like they're just like, oh no, it's the ground floor, we're fine. Right, like, okay, uh, the fire's on the 14th floor, so clearly we can just hang out down here in the lobby, right? Yeah, totally. So anyway, Mulder goes up to the 14th floor, and um, he kind of realizes, oh shit, I'm about to run into like a fire, and I'm scared of fire, so he kind of steals himself, and he goes in. And he's crawling down the hallway to kind of avoid smoke, but he gets, uh, like, partway down the hall, and there's these flames belching out of the doorway at the end of the hall, and he gets too scared to keep going, and he turns around and gets too scared and too smoke, like, he, he breathes in too much smoke and kind of passes out there on the floor, and while he's kind of laying there passed out on the floor, someone quote-unquote, we already can guess who it is. He runs by Mulder carrying the kids. And so while Mulder gets rescued by firefighters, Cecil comes out of the elevator on the ground floor. Don't use the elevator, you... Yeah, you're not you, supposed to use... <laughs> God! And he's using the elevator in a fire, so that's weird. But he's apparently the hero now because he rescued the kids, and Mulder is like a... Like a crumpled heap on the floor because he got rescued, but he's got to use oxygen and it kind of fades out and then fades into Mulder coughing himself awake in bed with no shirt on. Uh, Apparently Scully felt it necessary to strip him before she put him to bed. (laughs) I mean, clothes are constricting. Yep. And so, um, you know, they're in the room. And Phoebe walks in without knocking, rude, just opens the door. And 
Um, Scully is asking Mulder about the driver and Phoebe says, oh, no, no. The driver, like he he's worked there for a while. He's doesn't have any record, all this other stuff. And Phoebe's like, well, or God damn it. Scully, not Phoebe. He's like, well, who was watching the kids? And apparently it was the driver. And Scully's like, are you sure? Like I saw him down downstairs. Like he was looking at me, giving me that weird smile. And Phoebe's like, just hide behind nope. a plant. Just like, yeah, just hiding behind a plant. Watch. I mean, who amongst us hasn't hidden behind a plant and watched? I mean, <laughs> I shouldn't make a joke like that. Somebody's going to think it's serious. I've never hidden behind a plant and watched a woman. I just want to make sure that's clear. <laughs> I mean, I've hid behind plenty of plants as a child. Oh, sure. Hide and seek is different than hiding behind a plant and watching a woman. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Saved it. And anyway, they're, they're, Phoebe's like, anyway, the person we're looking for is British, not American. Because don't forget, Cecil isn't Cecil right now. He's Bob, the yes. American caretaker. And more stuff and things Phoebe's talking about. Turns out this family is going to leave and go back to England. And Phoebe's going to leave and go back to England. And then she leaves the room and Scully's like, can I finally now show you what I brought to show you? Like what I found out. And Mulder's like, yeah, sure. And she's like, well, <clears throat> I looked through all the names of all the servants. Or first she's like, I looked up things that could be used to accelerate fires. And she hands him a list of chemicals. And then she's like, yeah, I looked at all of the." And I looked at all the servants, and there's only one servant whose name pops up more than one time on the list. And it's dun-dun-dun Cecil, which we already knew. And so then she's like, and so I noticed this name, and I dug a little further to find out more about Cecil Lively, because that's his full name, Cecil Lively. And she's like, turns out he was this model citizen his whole life, never got in any kind of trouble until, dun, 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 he died in 1971. So there's a, there's a, there's a red flag. And then she's like, so since that guy died, I tried to find out even more. And there's only two other Cecil Livelys that showed up. And I know that they're, I guess this guy's name is spelled L apostrophe I. I'm like, what? Which is a weird way to spell lively, yeah. but okay. And she's like, there's only two other ones like that. One of them was a kid murdered by a satanic ritual. And one was a Cecil Lively who dun, 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 had his passport stamped in Boston two weeks ago. I want to... scholars... We, huh? First of all, we need to back up because okay. the Cecil <laughs> Lively... I think there's a story that I'm like, I'm like you're just going to go right over the fact that a kid got sacrificed... To like, right. uh, to like uh, some sort of weird, like demonic ritual. We're just going to just skim right over that. Well, and I think she, yeah, she said it took place sometime in the 60s. So Still, I'm like, talk- wait, wait, wait. I want to know about that. Right. And she said a group of kids murdered in the exactly. 60s. Exactly. Like, I'm like, um, how is this not a thing? Right. Um, so Mulder's like, oh, shit. He's here, and he leaps up, and he's like, "Scully, call call the field office. Get the get the sketch of that suspect. We need to know what he looks like." And I'm gonna go find Phoebe and tell her that the guy is already here in the United States, and and we're gonna bone. I mean, we're gonna hunt him yeah. down. Yeah. 
just like at the movie theater. And uh, Scully gets the facts and, oh, yep, that facts, that sketch right there, that definitely is Cecil. So Scully tries to call Mulder and gets a message that says, we're sorry, the cellular customer you're trying to reach is out of area. And that is... Not a thing that I was like, oh, my God, remember when that was a thing? Yeah, I was like, wait, when did this? Like, I was like looking at like, that's not a thing anymore. Like, no, nobody's pretty much ever out of cell range. There's very few places people are out of cell range anymore. Um, So at the Marsden house, Cecil's there and Mulder bursts right in the front door again without knocking. Rude. (laughs) Nobody knocks in the X-Files universe, apparently. Um, And when he bursts in the front door without knocking, rude, he finds that Phoebe has been, like, snogging this Lord Marsden guy. Okay. All right. I was going to – I wasn't sure if you were going to go over this or – if you were going (laughs) to glaze over this because I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yep. No, no. She's just not. A, she's she's just hanging out there. She's been boning this dude behind his wife's back. Okay. I wanted to make sure because there was like a brief moment. Where I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. And behind Mulder's back. She's like, I'm going to get in Mulder's pants. I'm going to get in this Lord Mulder guy's pants. Or Lord, Lord Marsden Mulder. guy's pants. I'm going to get in all the pants I can. Which, good on her. She, We shouldn't be slut-shaming her. She should be, like, getting as much dick as she wants. But not from married men. Right. She shouldn't be getting dick from married men. And married men shouldn't be giving their dick unless their wife says it's okay. And she's watching in the um, corner. Ah, yeah. Uh, Because the family's (laughs) outside and Mulder... Mulder doesn't even mention it. He just gives her this look. Yeah, that whole bit just gets, like, glazed over and it's never brought Mm. back up. Right. And he just kind of gives her a look. What well, kind of sort of comes up at the end. We'll talk about it, but not like as directly. But anyway, so stuff, things, panic, go get the kids. Like the arsonist is here. It's the driver. It's, or, you know, whatever. And <clears throat> so like the whole family's getting ready to leave and Scully shows up and she's like, Mulder, it's the driver. And he's like, I know, he disappeared. And then Scully is like, wait, Mulder, something's wrong. Are you okay? And he's like, no, everything's fine. But look at what I found in the garage. And this is what I meant earlier when I said I'm going to – he just has a can of <laughs> rocket fuel. Like, <laughs> I, I literally, like, went, wait a minute. You can, you can just get little cans of rocket fuel? Like, that can't be a thing. Thing? I don't know if it is anymore. Was it? So, I don't know if it was a thing to begin with, honestly. That's what I mean. Like, wait a minute. Cecil just went and bought. I mean, it wasn't. It was a little can, too. It looked like a can of paint thinner, only it said right on it rocket, rocket fuel, and yeah. aviation fuel. <laughs> so that was fucked up. And, um,. The Marsden family is like, or Mr. and Mrs. Marsden, they're like, nope, can't be our driver. He's worked for us for 10 years, and we're like, and we as the audience know, but Mulder and Scully don't know. Cecil isn't their real driver. He's their fake driver, and that's when they see the sketch and go, oh, wait, this isn't our driver. This is the caretaker, and he's upstairs with the kids right now. And so... 
Mulder and Scully go upstairs and we see the cough syrup bottle again. Um, <clears throat> and Mulder and Scully are looking around for the kids and they open the bathroom door. And apparently the real driver like burned alive while he was puking his guts out because yeah. he's still crouched over the toilet. Only he's burned up. I'm like, okay, <clears throat> that was a That's little what I mean. extra. Like, e- well, even if he was sitting there vomiting, like if he was really sick and he was crouched over the toilet, like he was going to barf. Like, he didn't flail around once he caught on fire? Yeah, I mean, he looked like, like he still looked like a perfectly preserved body of, like, uh, of just, like, some guy barfing. I'm like, there's, no, you would not be just barfing like his brains out. He just sat there, crouched over the toilet like that, like, praying to the porcelain god and just burned alive in that position? <laughs> Makes no sense. <sighs> Anyway, uh, they're still looking for the kids, but Phoebe is like, Mulder, quick, and he runs in, and the curtains in this room are on fire. Then a painting catches on fire, and then the bed catches on fire. First of all, this is another thing I called bullshit on. The room's on fire. Everyone's just standing around. And Mulder tries to swat it out with a towel. Yes! Not only that, but an extremely (laughs) flammable towel. Well, he doesn't – that's the thing. So they run out into the hall and Mulder's like, oh, Dan, I think he painted the whole house with flammable chemicals because, remember, he was yeah. the house painter as yeah. well. And then he smells the towel. Now he smells the towel. He goes, oh, shit, it's covered in jet fuel. And then the towel catches on fire. And then the painting – everything catches on fire. That's but the they're point. they're all still <laughs> standing there like – I would be immediately running from fire. Yes. Everybody run. Everything's on fire. Run away. And so they run down the stairs and Mulder's like, oh, shit. Scully, find a fire extinguisher. Every Go outside. Everybody, I'm going to go get the kids. And so he runs upstairs and he finally, uh, he goes down the burning hall or he goes down the hallway. The hallway is not quite on fire yet all the way. And he finds a door that is locked, but the kids are trapped in this room. And Cecil is at the end of the hall, and he's like, "All right, time to call 911." And he catches the whole house on fire, or the whole upstairs on fire, anyway. And Mulder is trapped in the burning hallway, and of course, Mulder's afraid of fire, so he's trapped there. And Cecil goes downstairs, and. Scully is at the bottom with her gun, except Cecil's like, you're not going to shoot me. And she's like, don't move. And he's like, you won't shoot me. And he does that. (laughs) This was a choice he made that I like. He does like that hop down the stairs with his arm. (laughs) I liked that. And he's like, you're not going to shoot me because you don't know if the spark will blow the whole house up. And so he just keeps going down the stairs and Scully obviously doesn't shoot him because he's right. The spark from her gun might blow the whole house up. And so he gets to the bottom of the stairs and Phoebe jumps around a corner and throws a whole can of rocket fuel on him. And he's blinded and he stumbles out. And back upstairs, Mulder finally faces his fear and walks through the fire and rescues the kids. So, cue dragon forces through the fire and flames. Through fire and flames, we carry on. Good song. Great song. Um, 
And so outside, Cecil is like stumbling around because he got a face full of jet fuel. He, he can't like see. And everybody's outside and they're going to try and arrest him. And he doesn't want to get arrested. So he sets himself on fire and burns up there on the lawn. Ouch. And so uh, this is when I said um, that everything with Phoebe sort of gets addressed because um, in Mulder's... Uh, oh, my cell phone's ringing. Potential scam. All right. Not important. I'll set that aside. No, answer uh, <laughs> Answer it now. We need to know. The Nigerian prince has some money for you? I bet he does. I mean, if I put it on... Nah, I'm not going to answer. I was going to say if I put it on speaker, it could be potentially interesting, but I'm not going to. Um Let's see. Oh, Mulder is in the office hanging out alone and a door opens up and a British voice says, can I take you to lunch? But it's just Scully. She's just playing a little joke on Mulder and she says, did I scare you? And Mulder says, you have no idea. And so it turns out Phoebe is gone. Didn't say goodbye to Mulder or anything, but did send him another cassette tape, which he didn't even bother to listen to, which really who can blame him? Don't. Yeah. Just like, <clears throat> just toss it away yep <clears throat> and so then we get one final kind of mashup scene uh scully's writing her report and it turns out that cecil survived even though he got fifth and sixth degree burns all over his body and military burn experts have been called in, not just because he survived, but apparently because his body is regenerating so rapidly uh, that it is expected he will fully recover within as little bit of time as a month. Uh, but for the time being, he's being held in a high security medical facility in a hyperbaric chamber <laughs> Because with nothing flammable around and his body temperature is 109 degrees. Um, and so a nurse goes in to check on him and it zooms in on the window in the chamber and Cecil's there and he's all burned up. And the nurse says, can I get you anything, sir? And he opens his eyes and he looks at her and he says, I'm just dying for a cigarette. And that's the end of the episode. So that was fire. So lit. Oh, oh, oh my God. I can't believe you just did that. Oh, oh man. shit. So, okay, here we go again. Final thoughts and letter grade for fire. Um, I enjoyed this episode, but mm -hmm. I could not overlook some of the, like the stupidity mm -hmm. of the characters for some of the stuff. Okay. But I, so I give it like a B, B minus. All right. I think I'm a little teeny bit higher than you on that. I, as far as monster of the week episodes go, um, this one I think is pretty solid. It's not like the best monster of the week episode, but it's certainly not the worst. It's not space. It's definitely <laughs> not space. Um, I think I'd probably personally give this one about a B plus. I right. think there's a lot of good uh, 
think there's a lot of good character moments, especially where Mulder is concerned, kind of learning a little bit about where Mul- a little bit more about where Mulder comes from as a individual in terms of like his bad relationship with Phoebe and his fear of fire and stuff like that. Plus, I just think Mark Shepard is delightful. So. Oh, loved him. Yeah, B plus for this one for fire. So let's see. What are we looking at for next week? Everybody's homework for next week. Ooh, 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 yes. Next week's is really, really good. Uh, This is a top-notch episode of the series. Next week is Beyond the Sea. Um. And oh boy, I'm ex- I'm gonna have to watch this one twice. Once to take, once to just watch it, and then a second time just to take notes because this Beyond the Sea is really good. And uh, Brad Dorif is in next week's episode. Ooh, so you'll enjoy Chucky, that. get some Chucky. Mm-hmm. It's not Chucky, but it's similar. It's a similar idea. Similar, not in terms of haunted doll, but in terms of like very bad man. Nice. <laughs> yep. So. Everybody go ahead and watch Beyond the Sea for next week, and we'll talk to you then. Hell yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Later. The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocka. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth, Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks. Thanks.